Hello and welcome to Pediapod for January 2019. In this episode, we're looking at the metabolomics of metabolic risk. Metabolomics has the potential to identify specific targets for primary prevention of metabolic disease. Studies in adults have shown that lean versus obese people show distinct differences in their metabolite composition, sometimes preceding the development of risk factors associated with metabolic disease such as insulin resistance. Identifying indicators of metabolic risk is essential for effective prevention, however the literature in paediatric populations is scant. Wei Peng, during her time at the University of Michigan's School of Public Health, following up on a previous study, examined the associations between a branched-chain amino acid metabolite pattern with metabolic risk across adolescents. She also aimed to identify novel metabolites associated with the development of metabolic risk during this life stage. Here's Wei. When I started my faculty position at um, University of Michigan, there was this cohort of Mexican children, actually, and they were... 8 to 15 years at baseline, then we had a follow-up visit for them five years later. What I was able to do is take fasting blood at baseline, and we did targeted metabolomic profiling. So that means I was specifically interested in quantifying circulating levels of the branched-chain amino acids because I had previously found those to be relevant to metabolic risk in children. So I did that at the baseline visit, and then between baseline and follow-up, I had biomarkers of metabolic risk that are conventionally used in research studies, things like insulin resistance and fasting glucose and lipids and blood pressure. In my study, I was interested in seeing whether or not a higher score for this branched-chain amino acid metabolite pattern is associated with worsening metabolic health during the five-year follow-up. So that was one name of the study. And um, the other part of my study was more of a statistical approach to see whether or not we could then look at change in these metabolic biomarkers over time to see whether if we were to use a new statistical approach, would we still be able to go backwards and identify these same metabolites as the strongest predictors of change in these biomarkers. What did that branched chain amino acid pattern then tell you about future metabolic risk? So I had expected to find that the branching amino acid pattern would be associated with worsening metabolic health. So, for example, I would have expected to see that if a child had higher levels of these branching amino acids, he or she would have an increase in fasting glucose during follow-up, for example, or an increase in insulin resistance. Actually, I found differences in associations by sex, so I looked at these results separately for boys and girls. In boys, I found that a higher score for this branched-chain amino acid pattern was actually associated with a decrease in insulin resistance and a decrease in total cholesterol, as well as the LDL cholesterol, which is the bad cholesterol. This surprised me because they were the opposite of what we expected, especially given animal studies and what's been done in adults. But when I digged around the literature, I saw that there are some small studies in children that have found similar inverse associations between this pattern and metabolic risk factors. And there is a biological explanation in that elevated levels of branching amino acids can actually be adaptive at the beginning because it can stimulate insulin action. But having chronically high levels over time could be bad. In girls, what we saw was among girls who had already started puberty, this branched-chain amino acid metabolite pattern was associated with increased insulin resistance and also an increase in leptin. So um, this is more in line with what I had expected to find. 
So does that mean that the branched-chain amino acid pattern might actually be a useful biomarker, a predictor of metabolic risk in paediatric female populations? I'm hesitant to say yes. My findings will suggest that, but I really think that these, this needs to be replicated in another cohort. Okay. Now, there was a second prong, as we've said, to your experiment, which was not hypothesis-driven, which was driven by the crunching the data. What happened there? What I did here was, to some extent, based on what I found in the hypothesis-driven approach. So in the hypothesis-driven approach, I have found associations between the branching amino acid pattern with change in biomarkers for glycemia, for lipids, and also for leptin. So those were the biomarkers that I focused on for the data-driven approach. To kind of summarize for boys, we were essentially finding that metabolites that are involved in um, growth hormones and also lipid metabolism pathways appeared to be associated with the decrease in insulin resistance. They were, however, associated with an increase in total cholesterol levels. And was the story different for girls? It was. So in girls, um, the only metabolite we found that was associated with change in any of the biomarkers of interest was a compound called histidine which was related to a decrease in total cholesterol. I think that this association could be explained by um, histidine's involvement in lipid peroxidation. So, um, you know, that pathway might underlie this inverse relationship between histidine at baseline and then a decrease in total cholesterol as a follow-up. Was the hope that the two prongs to your uh, experiment, the data-driven and the hypothesis-driven analysis, was the hope that they would sort of corroborate each other? In the hypothesis-driven portion of the study, I found associations of the branching amino acids with, you know, markers of insulin resistance, lipids, and leptin in these children. So I would have expected that when I did the data-driven approach, the lasso regression would have identified branching amino acids as the strongest predictors of change in those biomarkers. But um, it didn't. It actually identified other compounds. How useful is this data, do you think, in terms of, um, you know, pediatric doctors getting in there early and avoiding or preventing metabolic diseases? You know, I hate to say it, but in the last five years or so, as I've been working with metabolomics data in children, I have been realizing that metabolomics has a long way to go before it can impact clinical practice. Um, and that's for several reasons, one being that it's still really expensive. And the other thing that I found is with respect to metabolic diseases, especially in children, it seems like being obese or overweight or obese is still the worst possible thing and that by identifying those children, you're able to cover a lot more ground than going through metabolomics to try and figure out which child is going to be at risk. Um, I think metabolomics becomes more promising as people get older when there becomes more of those obese but metabolically healthy phenotype versus the thin but metabolically unhealthy phenotype. I think those types of phenotypes begin to manifest as we age. And there's not a whole lot of that in children. It seems like in children, it's really being obese is the worst possible thing. I think what this type of research is doing is helping us to understand metabolic pathways that are involved in the etiology of metabolic disease risk. And that by better understanding these metabolic pathways, maybe we can link those to modifiable lifestyle characteristics like dietary intake or physical activity, that kind of thing. Given that the data-driven approach didn't um, corroborate the branched-chain amino acid result that you got from the hypothesis-driven part of your study, do you not now want to go and do a new hypothesis-driven analysis with those results thrown up by the lasso regression and analysis? 
Yeah, I would actually um, like to take a look at it. I guess what would be stopping me is that um, some of these metabolites were associated with seemingly a favorable metabolic outcome, so not exactly worse. And I guess in my area of research, I'm more interested in identifying, you know, metabolite biomarkers of worsening metabolic health. Um, but I definitely do think that um, it would be worth validating these results in another population to see whether or not there's consistency in the size and also the direction of the associations. What are you going to do next then? What's your follow-up study? I will still continue to explore associations of metabolites with biomarkers and metabolic risk in pediatric and adolescent populations. One thing I'd like to do is to wait until these children are entering young adulthood um, which is something I will be able to do because we're still following these participants. Just because there's so much hormonal fluctuation and changes in metabolism that occur during puberty, that some of these findings could you know, be very different once everything settles back down as they reach young adulthood. So that's something I like to do is to see whether or not what I found in this study is consistent as they kind of enter their 20s. Another totally different area that I'm interested with respect to metabolomics actually has more to do with pregnancy. So kind of to understand biological pathways during pregnancy that might program the fetus to have metabolic risk later in life. So that's something completely separate, but an, an area of interest for me. That was Wei Peng, who carried out this work during her time at the University of Michigan's School of Public Health. She's now at the Colorado School of Public Health. And that's all we've got time for. Join us again next month for the next edition of Pediapod. I'm Jeff Marsh. Thanks for listening.